Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Ronan, what's going on, my man? It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. I'm glad we're, glad we're getting on to talk some ball. It's uh, been a pretty depressing day outside in Ireland, so I'm glad uh, we got, got this now to cheer me up. Yeah, I think we're, we're marrying you. We, we, got, we got some snow this weekend. It's a little crazy. For whatever reason, all the wind brought it onto my car, and I ended up shoveling myself out for, was it two hours? Drove down the street, shoveled up. Poor guy in a wheelchair and an old man. It's just like everyone showed up out of their house needing to get shoveled out. And I spent my entire weekend shoveling. And then here we are. It's all going to turn to ice tomorrow, snow again. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to anything. Always happy to help out my neighbors. But uh, I, I just, I'm tired of the snow, tired of the weather. I, I, I need something to brighten up my day, to be honest. That's, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for, the brighten up your day. That's what it's all about, you know? Beautiful. Gotta, so you're ready to talk next? Um, no, I said you wouldn't go that far, I guess. Day now. Come on, I'm not going that far. I'm not going crazy with myself now. Yeah. But everyone, today we are going to talk a couple of cool things. Um, we've had a few crazy weeks of NFL action. Um, I gotta admit, I've you know I, I'm diehard Bears fan, watching every Bears game. So the teams that I watch beat the Bears. Uh, I know about them from time to time. But I'm really starting to tune in this past couple of years. And this has been some of the most exciting football I've seen my whole life. And we, I, I think it's fitting to see such an exciting time where there's such a powerful, um, I don't know if youth movement is the right word, because some of these guys have honestly been in the league for a few years now. But for these young quarterback stars, a lot of young stars in the NFL making a serious impact. And you see it right now in the Bengals making it to the Super Bowl. It'll, it'll be cool to kind of compare that to the youth movement we have right now in the NBA as LeBron is clearly in his twilight years in LA. You got young stars all over the place. And we thought it'd be cool to do a little crossover here uh, before we get into the juicy, crazy, unexpected trade deadline that we're swiftly approaching. So Ronan, I, you're, you're our, I think, resident football expert. And I, I want you to take this away. How can we mesh these two, uh, these two sports worlds? Well, it's pretty cool. It's it's kind of coming faster in the NFL with the the young guys that are that are coming on through. Uh, we've seen this week Tom Brady have finally actually confirmed his, his retirement, and uh, no one's ever going to match that guy. Just just to say that, I mean, to have more rings than any other franchise in the NFL is just the most outrageous thing you're ever <laughs> ever likely to hear. <laughs> so he's gone this year. Ben Ben Roethlisberger, he he's a uh, He's done as well. So some of the old guard are heading out. We don't we don't know for sure that Rodgers is going to be back, but the NFL is still in great hands, just like the NBA is. And there's still a tug of war going on with some uh, some of the younger guys and some of the some of the guys who are rookies in the NBA at the moment and second year guys, all fighting for the right to be the new face of the NBA, and it it just makes for such such great entertainment. I love it. Yeah. So, so who is, who, who would Joe Burrow be? And, and flashback, what Joe Burrow lost, what was it last season? He was out for half the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not the world's best NFL historian, but what other quarterback has basically played one and a half years and several of them being probably insignificant games where he's a rookie and not really understanding what's going on. But basically, he, this is his first real year, and he's in the Super Bowl. Like, what? I, I don't even know how we can begin to make a comparison. Like, who is the Bengals slash Joe Burrow of the NBA? Because when you really think about the time that he's been in the league 
and the amount he's doing right now at this stage for a team that hasn't done it for God knows how long, that's, that, that's going to be a tough comparison, but I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's kind of tough to get a direct comparison, of course. Uh, no one has uh, kind of uh, taken, taken that sort of leap uh, in the NBA. Obviously, you're, you're coming in a lot younger uh, when you're coming in the, into the NBA. You're a, lot, a bit more experienced true, when, you're, when, you're, uh, when you're heading into the NFL. But still, what, what, what Burrow is doing is just is unbelievable. To probably give a, a basic comparison, it, it basically be, be like Anthony Edwards dragging the Timberwolves to the finals this year. That's, that's, that's almost what it, an example of what it would be like to do uh, in terms of, of, of the NBA. I mean, the Bengals had the worst record in the league two years ago, and now, now they're in the, they're in the Super Bowl. but to find a comparison, it's tough. I mean, I look at a, I did, I did look to, to, to Booker. Booker has got just in terms of Burrow, they still both got that little bit of swag. And although Booker was in the league a, a, a little while longer before they get uh, the Suns really did anything, basically the second year of having a somewhat decent team, otherwise known as getting Chris Paul in beside them, they were able to get to the finals. So that that that's probably that was kind of the first uh, the first kind of link that that came into my head. Not not an exact comparison, but it, it, it's kind of a similar sort of story. I don't, uh, all right, I, I don't always disagree with you here. I think we have a lot of equal thoughts, but I'll, I'll say this about Booker. I feel like as an athlete, it's interesting for him because he's had he's had a, a fascinating timeline where he came into the league, um, drafted late in the lottery, seen as, you know, a potential really, really good role player, um, going to be a good two-way player, but not seen as a future star. All of a sudden, he's scoring like crazy. He's really exceeding every expectation, becoming this elite scorer, um, drawing ridiculous, admittedly, comparisons to, to Kobe. Um, and then he goes to being he's a he's a empty calorie scorer. He's not a winning player. And then Chris Paul comes around and they have this immediate reversal of his identity once they finally get some success the past couple of years. And that's it's it's like he's had a bit of a longer timeline. But I, Burrow just comes in, I think most casual fans and i'm i'll say i'm a pretty good representation of that like they don't know him besides oh he was a really 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 good in college and he got drafted high and i think he got hurt i don't really know much about him but now everyone's view of him immediately is he's a super bowl quarterback like off the bat his his first real full year in the nfl and i i can't uh, maybe you got to look back maybe you got to look back and think about Dwayne wade I, I just thought of this off the cuff, like thinking about Dwayne Wade and how he was so young, but got brought the heat to championship. But if you're looking at today's NBA, like I loved that comparison made for, for Edwards. Um, I, I was thinking of about like LaMelo and the Hornets. Cause I mean, look at the, the Hornets. I mean, they've had the playoffs. They've had three chances in the playoffs in the past 20 seasons, 19. I'll be honest. I won't say 20. So they did make it exactly 20 years ago. It just sounds better. But they all ended in first round exits. Two of them ended in sweeps. They've had nothing. Lamelo Ball is able to make some crazy jump this season in the postseason. I think the East is really tough, but it's so tight for a reason. Um, it's so there's so much parity right now. But Edwards, the reason I love that is because we we saw a recent um, video from B Ball Breakdown. I don't know if anyone listening right now, if you don't follow B Ball Breakdown on YouTube, it's a coach that does excellent videos. Um, breaking down players games 
And he broke down Anthony Edwards, and I've thought this for a while, but he feels, nobody freak out, I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan, but he feels like Michael Jordan, the way he plays athletically, the way he has a shooting touch this early, his attitude too, even like his humor, like his, his youthful humor, everything about him just like gives you shade of Michael Jordan. And I don't doubt that he could have growth, immediate growth, because he did it last year. It was in the last part of last year where most rookies hit their wall he hit his stride if he has a late stride a late push as they make their way into the playoffs which i think they will i mean the the timberwolves being that kind of like young team to make that leap in his second year i i love the sound of that yeah that's that's kind of the one that you hope that you would hope to see i mean the timberwolves is they thought they had it when they got cat in some different things have led to some some issues with him on and off the court, injuries and different things that, that they haven't really been able to kick on with Cat as the main man. They've got Anthony Edwards in, and while you might still think of it as Carl Anthony Towns, Timberwolves, Ant is right there alongside him, waiting, waiting to for everyone to realize that that he he really is the dude and he's the guy that's gonna give them that X factor. And is going to be the leader when it, when it comes to crunch time. And yeah, that 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 could that could be this year. Even just getting into the playoffs is going to be a huge bonus. Because let's not forget, this is a guy who will only be twenty one years old to start next season. So he's it's still crazy. Such, it's crazy. He's still so young, <laughs> and he's still got all of his best years ahead. And he's already making these these leaps. He's already growing uh, a lot in his second year, and. Definitely can see him having a jam around like jump uh, in his third year in the league. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to another interesting one. Josh Allen in the Bills. Oh, now I got to take a sec. We haven't said on air. Um, obviously, this is an NBA podcast, but that had to have been one of the greatest duels in sports I've ever seen. Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Pat Mahomes. I've, I've never had my jaw on the floor for so long on consecutive drives, just unbelievable plays that fourth. I think it was fourth and 20 in the red zone, Josh Allen hitting that strike for a touchdown to take them up and then getting a two point conversion. And somehow Mahomes getting it that we, we could recap that. I, I could relive that forever. That was such an awesome game. But um, for, for both those teams, I interested to see who kind of mirrors that in the NBA or who could mirror that sort of storyline. Um, Cause it feels they even a tough team. They have such a, a tough fan base. You, you really fear Bill's mafia. How many tables are they going to break? But it's cool to see that that team that's been really overshadowed by the Pats for so long, overshadowed in the AFC, to see them have their moment and see them really not just have a moment, but to peek into the future of what Josh Allen's going to bring them. I think there's definitely some teams in the NBA right now that, you know, have that are starting to peak and they're starting to look, hey, this we might actually be a legitimate contender right now. The, the league's wide open. We have some good young guys. I'm curious to see who you thought of when you thought of them. My, my, my answer thought when I thought when I thought Bills, I instantly looked at Utah and Denver. That was that was my first mm. that was my first thoughts there. Mm, the, the yeah, teams that yeah. are in and around it. They're always strong, competitive throughout the regular season, but they're still just not quite there they still just haven't got that little bit of x factor like you look at what happened to the bills the chiefs were able to to shut down their their number one receiver and stefan Diggs, and 
that's something that you really can't afford to happen. The great teams don't let their their best players get shut down. They just don't. They just don't let that happen. And you think, obviously, it's, it's two years basically of this Bills team really looking like the team. Josh Allen showing himself to be one of the top quarterbacks, and that's where you kind of look at Denver, especially. Obviously, they've been in and around uh, the high the high ends of of the Western Conference. They've uh, had two semifinals appearances, one one conference finals. They've got an MVP level player in Jokic. And they it's just a question of do they have enough to really go all the way, or are they just kind of always going to be on the cusp because there is such talent that they're going up against in, in their conference. So who who's who's a better comparison then between those two teams? Between the Nuggets and the Jazz. I guess I would say the Nuggets because of Jokic. I think Jokic, you, uh, that, that Jokic and Josh level. Allen. Jokic, Jokic is Josh, Josh Allen. Allen is a similar sort of elite level player, you know? Well, dude, honestly, it, it feels like that because Jokic has to do so much, right? He has to – he's a key source of everything for them. Playmaking, rebounding, three-point shooting, every part of the floor, even defense. Um, now, Josh Allen, I don't think he's going to hop out and be playing defense. Although although I'd hate, I'd hate to be a safety and run into Josh Allen. On an interception, <laughs> I, I I can't think of many quarterbacks I'd I'd rather get hit uh I'd rather get hit by than him, but Josh Allen the way he was like running the ball the way he was passing the way he was passing on the move, the amount that he does for that offense it feels pretty it does feel pretty similar to the amount that that Jokic does um I think you got got to give got to give however um the jazz and not on defense. I mean, they, they probably emulate that defense as well. Although a lot of that we know stems from Gobert. Um, but I, I do like that. I do like that. I thought of Mitchell in particular. I, I wish Mitchell had, has more of a chance to embrace that kind of identity that Josh Allen is having right now. Cause you know, we, we've given him credit for being um, a really, really good young player on a really, really good team, but I feel like it's been drowned out. It's like the, the meaty, the it's, funny that there's some mediocrity assigned to constant success like the jazz which is is ridiculous like we are almost bored of talking about how good they are mm. and donovan mitchell's rise as a player year after year like gets drowned out a lot and i think he deserves he deserves a chance to shine like that the way that josh allen did yeah yeah 100 and i think you'll you'll you're... You'll see someone like Mitchell, they could get kind of a team that they might end up facing in the, like the first round of the playoffs, maybe whether that be like a like an an, an understrength Clippers team or something like that. And you could see him just going off the way in similar way to what Alan did uh, yeah. again against the against the Patriots. So like it's there's it's, yeah. the comparison's definitely there. I think I think Utah Utah and Denver though, I think both of them are guys you could def- easily compare to. Uh, to uh, Josh Allen on his bills. Yeah, I would say that uh, another great part of that is uh, jazz fans are probably equally as rowdy as those uh, those Bills fans. I think they get along. Yeah, yeah, they get that. along quite well, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine. Uh, <laughs> but I, I actually have a good comparison. You know, I, I might not have a lot of them, but I like when we think about the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, uh, we all know how good they are. And I'll talk about that. The interesting part about that team is, again, as a casual fan, um, you see the narrative flip a little bit at the beginning of the season where people are like, ah, oh, they've kind of figured out Pat Mahomes a little bit. 
Um, they know how to play him on defense. And you look, you know, they're not as good as past couple of years. They, they might not be that dominant force. Same thing with the Bucks and Giannis. Slow start after winning a championship. Think, oh, they have, you know, championship hangover. They're not really trying. They've kind of figured out how to teams have figured them out. Um, are they still as good? And then once they start to get it on, I mean, the big three, their big three have only lost four times then. But it's funny that they've had this, this dichotomy of, you know, this team that when they want to turn it on, they play, they know how to play, they know how to win every game, but Bud has embraced experimenting more. And it, it seems like the Chiefs over the year, they had to figure things out. The new offensive line had to try new things. But when it came to crunch time, when it came to the games that they are ready to win, they're, they're there. They're still that, that Super Bowl level team. In the same way that the Bucks and Giannis are that Super Bowl level team. When you want to stop Giannis, no matter what, you can't, you can't stop Pat Mahomes either. Only Pat Mahomes can stop Pat Mahomes. You saw it. Uh, when Giannis decides to start taking those uh, jumpers, it's the only way he's going to beat himself. Uh, that, that's my, that's my contribution here. <laughs> I thought that would be the, the closest thing when I'm thinking about these two teams. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. The books, the books were kind of the only one I could really make a, make a good comparison to when it came to, came to those chiefs, similar sort of kind of, place as well in their uh, in their kind of growth i mean obviously the last few years with Giannis winning those mvps and stuff the the books have got to a conference finals a conference semi and then they obviously won the championship last year that's sort of similar to what the chiefs are doing now you're almost looking at them and you're thinking are they going to be like the next the next patriots the way they're kind of been in and around um the the super bowl and the the championship uh championship game over the last few years and that that's exactly what the books are doing too and then they've got their they both got their x factor they got their the Mahomes and then Giannis I think they could they're definitely two guys that you could uh, that you can compare as a as a duo is there any any matchup though that you think could be like you look at the Bills and Chiefs do you think this is going to be a matchup in the AFC over maybe the next 10 years this is going to be a battle between these two teams is there any two teams in the NBA that you could compare that Maybe hasn't happened yet, mm. but you could see becoming a, a sort of conference battle the way that the we all kind of think the Bills and Chiefs is going to be. Yeah, I got to think about that. The first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned that is the the Brady Manning matchup that we enjoyed for years. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you think. <laughs> all right, for international sports fans, this might sound crazy, but when you think uh, El Clasico. Um, you think games like that, you think about Manning versus Brady games, uh, you think Kobe versus Celtics, uh, stuff like that. Um, and what's interesting about today's NBA is that teams look so different year to year that you're, you're not really, I feel like there's not really that, that rivalry anymore. Sometimes, um, you had it for a flash in, in series like the, you know, when the heat was facing the Celtics. Wow, when those Bulls against the Heat, basically LeBron against everybody. But um, man, right now, I, I think, I think two teams. Well, when I think rivalry, when I think history, recent history, just recent history, I, I got to think about Warriors and Grizzlies still. Yeah. I, I got to think about there. There's an immense respect between those two teams. They do respect each other, and especially the way that they play defense. They compete on the defensive end. But on offense, how they they just have very different styles, but they live in that chaos, like I've said before, and they really just are 
they're trying to eat your heart out. And that that feels like a matchup that we're gonna see for years now. Even though Curry's getting older, even though Clay's getting older, they still have young guys there that are gonna grow, and that system's gonna continue to be as good as as Green and Kerr are. And we know the Grizzlies, Grizzlies are still gonna be amazing as long as that team is together. That's that that's a matchup I can think of right now. But to be honest, I, I don't think I don't know. Do do you do you see like rivalries that span the life of rivalries like Manning and Brady that we expect from rivalry between Mahomes and Allen. I, I haven't seen that for some time now in the NBA. That's, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. It is. One, one area I wish that that should probably should have been more is like a Philly Milwaukee over the last few years. Yeah. That's yeah. That should have been there. And hopefully yeah. it can become something. Maybe if, uh, if the 76ers end up winning the whole Ben Simmons saga and really do get a star, that, that could be a, uh, that could be a new rivalry that we that we start to see, but yeah, it's always kind of always kind of hard to know. But yeah, it was tough. That that the, I like I like Warrior, Warriors Grizzlies. That's definitely one you could see. But outside of that, there's none really that it. You'd like to say the Clippers and the and Dallas, but you still after obviously they're 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 big battles over the last couple of years. But then at the same time, you yeah. don't know where that's going to go from here. It's not going to happen this year. And you don't know Paul George might not even be going. like on the Clippers yeah, like yeah, next exactly. year. Like, you know, like you would never look at the bills and be like, Oh, well, I don't know. Is, is Josh Allen going to be there? Who knows? Like, is Josh Allen want to go somewhere? Like people don't think like that in the NFL, which is, is wild. Um, if, if you ask people in Boston, they would say Celtics and 76, which they definitely, you know, they have a, they have a good yeah, matchup. Could, could be something there. It should be. It should be. It should definitely be that. That's true. Should it be. absolutely should be. And let's, Let's hope it is. You want to see the Celtics have they've got on some sort of a run now. I think they're around 20, 20 kind of 28 and 24 or something like that at the moment. So they're kind of trying to, to do something. So hopefully they can finally figure it out this offseason and really get the old Brown Tatum uh, duo really, uh, really firing. Yeah, they're unfortunately forcing me to pay attention again. And I'm, I'm cautiously pessimistic. Um, well, we'll see. It's it's been too much heartbreak for me, and I can't even imagine for actual Celtics fans. Um, <laughs> but uh, do we even talk? We didn't talk about Trey. We couldn't find one for Trey and the Hawks. We should have been able to talk about Trey and the Hawks. They should have had a comparison here, but they just have been disappointing. But talk about NBA teams with young saviors across the league. Um, it's crazy. I think we've talked about it plenty of times. But just like you see in the NFL, you got it here in the NBA. Trey Young leading the Hawks. The last time they haven't made the Eastern Conference Finals since 2015. That was Horford, Millsap, Corver, Teague. And I can't believe they, they're all stars, which is wild to me. They got swept. Mm-hmm. That was the last time. Uh, maybe the Pistons. Last time the Pistons have been good is the Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince days, Chauncey Billet days, Cade Cunningham looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. He's really, he's really starting to show. Obviously, he's had, obviously had the. the injury to start the season missed those few games kind of struggled to really get things going the last the last uh probably since the turn of the year really he's really set to show why he was that number one pick and the the different things that he's capable of doing he's got a got an ability to do a little bit of everything i am seeing all these block shots by him as well which is uh which have been uh very impressive but, defensively yeah he's he yeah. was always gonna be good he's always gonna be good the footwork and the balance and this kind of different things like that like the willingness yeah. to pass and the willingness to kind of take shots when in the in big moments he's like mr cool on the court you know you don't really think yeah anything phases him and and that's going to really help him grow and and i'm enjoying seeing seeing the the 
his game now and he's really starting to take over as the leader probably in terms of the the uh rookie of the year race as well which is uh which is big for him and that'll, that'll be a nice confidence booster for him if he can end up taking that crown yeah if anyone here does not watch Cade Cunningham take the time and just watch and he had he drew tr- ridiculous comparisons to Luka Doncic in college but the reason you see it is in his advanced reads. You see him pass the ball. Um, he'll, he'll make the he'll make the late read in the pick and roll. He'll really know where to go with the ball whenever it's in his hands. And that's like this Sadiq innate. Bay. Yeah, Sadiq Bay. He so should have had. I think he should have a better year this year. But he's he's been good. He's yeah, been that, good for that, them as a young player. That to Sadiq yeah. the other night when Unreal. he had to win K to the triple double. That was that was awesome. Uh, but imagine you took a little bit of defense away from from or you took a little bit of offense and turned it into defense from Doncic and that feels kind of like a lazy comparison to what Cade Cunningham honestly is take take a little bit of the flash a little bit of the uh the the footwork inside because Luca's footwork inside is just magical like you can't can't compare the two but Cade with the step backs with his ability to run pick and roll three level score but the way he plays defense that's what it feels but all right, you got me in a you got me on a Cade rant here, uh, which is fine. Cade rants are always good. Uh, but <laughs> just talking about young saviors across the NBA, uh, so many right now. The, the league could change this season, next season, in a huge way. Lakers are a ninth seed. The the Nets are struggling. We are expected contenders a, are not what we thought. Six in the East at the moment. It's kind of crazy to think of, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What, what they've dropped uh, six straight. Harden had four points last the other night. Four points in thirty-seven minutes, and that's 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 uh, and it, that ain't great. It just shows that how important that that Durant was to them. Obviously, it's not helping with the, still the whole stuff with with Kyrie. But I think the the big key for them is having obviously having Durant and having Patty Mills as a scorer off the bench rather than someone they're relying on as a starter to, to score the mm. basketball. You know. Yeah. So are the Nets? <laughs> are the Nets the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> Is Kyrie Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you could make that comparison. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to go simpler and just say that the Nets are absolutely the LA Rams. I mean, both of them have gone all in, and it has to it has to work. They've 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 shown their cards. They've done all they can to make sure that they win it all. And if they don't, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna look pretty bad for them. I mean, the the Rams don't have a number one pick till twenty twenty four. The Nets' picks are all over the place until basically twenty twenty eight, I think. With those four first round hmm. pick swaps, they had three. They also gave away another three first rounders. So both they're similar sort of situations. They've gone all in, and now it's all about now it's now now it's actually getting the, getting the job done. For for that reason, you're correct. But for the actual outcome, and this is what I'll bet on, and I bet on it. No, 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 I won't lie to you. I didn't bet on it early in the season. I bet half of it. But the Lakers are the Bucks to me. The Nets are the Packers to me. I didn't bet on the Nets being this bad, but I did bet on the Lakers being this bad. I'm not going to bet on the Nets making it to the finals anymore based on just the, the variance we've seen. Playoff time, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But the East is too good right now for me to do that. And I think it would be hilarious to me. For it to end up like that for the reasons we've been on about all season long for both of these teams yeah yeah that's fair but if you like, hey you ask any lakers players uh 
think Westbrooks came out and said, "Oh yeah, it's all good. Once you get to the playoffs, it's nil nil, so no one cares about the." Uh, you the might records. not make the playoffs. And then Dave, then Davis comes out and it's like, uh, "Once we get to the playoffs, we're go- we're just going to be a really good team." It's like, oh, I didn't know it was that easy. Well, I well before it was, we just have to rip off sixteen straight wins, and then we'll we're we'll, we'll, we're right at the one seed, right? Yeah, don't that get easy. wrong. I I don't think I need to worry about them. I think they will yeah. they will be in the playoffs, but. Uh, Actually, doing anything in the playoffs—that's that's that's a whole other question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, side note: we we have to just mention since we mentioned Davis, second game back, played Joel Embiid. Man, that flash of what Davis should be night in, night out mm-hmm. when he played Embiid—that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, what a what a duel that was. Um, you know, Embiid's the the bigger guy, honestly, but. The way Davis plays, using his quickness and athleticism to his advantage against Embiid, but Embiid still using his power on it. It, it was such a great duel between those two guys. Um, but you, you wouldn't know if you just were checking the score because the Lakers got blown out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the story of the season, people. Um, <laughs> but let's let's move on from this. That, that was fun, though. That was fun to, to look at those two. I have been reeled back in by the NFL I've had enough uh years of you know dealing with the emotional trauma of being a Bears fan but I think I can take some joy in watching some of these teams now I'm officially paying attention again but today is February 3rd and we are exactly 168 hours that's seven circumventions of the earth unless you're Kyrie I I don't know is is that a circumvention (laughs) that is is it a flip it's rotation I I don't know but it works with a flat earth yeah and yeah, I don't know, you just flip it out, who, who knows? But we're exactly one week away from the trade deadline and no big trades have been made unless you happen to be a huge Cam Reddish stand. Uh, but we have not seen a lot of movement yet. We have seven days away from what I think should be a big trade deadline. And I'll tell you why, two big reasons why. Number one, as we know, there's so many teams in contending mode right now, even if they're not quote unquote contenders depending on who you ask. For example, the, the Bulls are in first again right now, and they're a couple games away from fifth, and the Hornets are in seven. They're just a few games away out of the top five seed. And, you know, there might be a couple more roster sales in the West, but, you know, since the Lakers are at ninth and there's hungry teams drooling over the chance just getting to play in, the Kings fans, or I don't know what the fans, but the Kings organization seem to think that a play-in counts as making the playoffs. So, you know, they're doing everything they can to get there. Um. And number two, reason number two, outside of the Pistons and the Spurs, if you look, there is basically zero cap space this summer. So that's going to require signing trades, trading signs, two-way, three-way, cash deals, whatever you name it. And I think while some real deals might not happen at the trade deadline, it's the market traditionally that I don't think there would be movement, but the market might be weird enough right now with so many people thinking they're contenders and it being difficult to sign players outright in the off season that I think this might be the most opportunistic moment for a lot of teams to make a move. And we're going to go through a laundry list. So let's just, let's just go crazy through all the randomness that we're seeing in terms of trade ideas, rumors, news, leaks, et cetera. But I think this is going to be one of the biggest trade deadlines we've seen. And I think it's also because of how quiet it's been. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, it's been been boring as hell so far and there's nothing, None really to to make you think other than the reasons you just point out that anything big is going to go down like a 
like a James Harden deal that we saw last year or a mm-hmm. Melo deal that we saw, we've seen back in the day, big, two big, big uh, mid- mid-season trades. But yeah, there's a, the, this, the wilier uh, front offices around the league will definitely be looking at trying to make deals before the deadline. I think, I think it's, it's something that, that needs to happen. Obviously, Philly are sticking to their guns. They're not doing anything before the trade deadline, but there's a, a lot of other players out there and there's a lot of other teams that need to make some some additions to to give themselves the best chance at, at competing this year. So I I want to start with the 76ers though, because what do we think about the Beal deal being back on the market? Do you buy it? It's kind of hard to think. It's like, it's almost why would you want him at this age? Not that he's still not, obviously he's still a talented guy and all that sort of stuff, but just like the little things you see in out of Beal, like now, now that he's, 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 his stats and all have gone down this year. He's not, he's been injured and different things. And, and now, now he's kind of a bit hesitant about whether he wants to stay with the Wizards. He's saying he wants to stay, but at the same time, he doesn't know if he should stay and he can't really seem to make up his mind. And that's, it's never really a great a great sign. I'd say his confusion is probably valid, but whether they should be as hyped as maybe they were a year ago, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, when it comes to 76ers and Ben Simmons, our Cuban fusion is almost always valid. Um, so, I mean, I definitely agree there. But I, I think, you know, I'm not going to count off – I'm going to count this season as just a representation of what Bradley Beal is. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, shooters – um, are going to have slumps. They're, they're going to have slumps. There are going to be periods of time where they they lower in production. There, there's nothing that sticks out to me in terms of his shot profile, um, his opportunities. I mean, besides integrating with a new coach, a new a new team, there isn't anything significant, I think, about him having some decline. I think he's still that, you know, year in, year out, at least all-star caliber player that he was for the past five years. Now, my, my question, I guess, when, when I think about this is if you're, if you're the 76ers and the Wizards are okay with whatever deal you, you want, essentially, it, essentially it'll be to the tune of Simmons and say they, they only are asking for Thibault, not, not Maxi, And you know, they're, they're getting picks out of it. If, if the 76ers can make a move, that works. Do they take that for Beal instead of waiting this offseason for Harden? Is the chance for Harden, just the chance, more enticing than the reality of a Bradley Beal deal right now? That's, that's what this comes down to for me. Because, you know, again, we're not talking about real news like – there, these are leaks. These are rumors. These are probably could be misconstrued. But just thinking thinking about that in terms of what we know about how the GM there, Daryl Morey, thinks when he thinks about Harden versus anything else on the table. I mean, if we saw that, would that if you're Morey, do you do that? Do you be patient, wait for the chance at Harden? Tough to think. You think I think Mori is good at his job, so I'd want to say that I trust what he is, what his his plans ultimately are. But at the same time, it's probably the probably the the main question that would come is, would there still be the potential to get the Beal deal done in the summer? 
And if that is the case, then I think he 100% waits rather than knowing for sure they could get the deal done now, if there's still the chance that they could still get it done in the summer, if a deal for Harden it, it, uh, ends up not being as realistic as it's being made out to be uh, at this very moment. I think, I, I'm going to say, I, I still trust what Maury's trying to do. I think he's he's he, he usually is good for making a deal, but it, it would be taking a huge risk. And I think he might feel a bit more pressure from uh, from ownership if he... Uh, if a Beal deal was on the table now and, and he still wanted to wait to try and make a deal for James Harden that we still don't know is uh, is actually feasible. Yeah, and I think it's the reality is that even though Maury's had so many good moves, I mean, this is a different situation. Mm-hmm. He, he had all these great moves to, when he had Harden and built things around him and things went well, but this is a this is square one. He's a 76ers GM right now. He's got Joel Embiid's future really in his hands. 76ers future in his hands, but more importantly, a potential all-time great in his hands. Joel Embiid should have the chance to have a, a long career and be considered a potential all-time great. And if his obsession with Harden gets in the way with that, that would be criminal. Bradley, the reality, I, in my opinion, the reality of Bradley Beal right now, getting Bradley Beal right now in the building, if that is a possibility, should be priority number one over over any possibility. I'll let, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll join you there. Just just you you remind me of why what about about Embiid? Embiid deserves to have it all. We don't, unfortunately, with Embiid, there's always that worry that he's going to he's gonna break down. He's absolutely balling at the moment. He's not broken down yet. So I take advantage take of it. Take advantage of it quick, yeah. Get, screw what I said. If Bradley Beal is on the cards, the 76ers should make a move to just, to, yeah, to, to, to clear the air. This whole Simmons thing, it's bad for, it's bad for everyone. They can make a deal. That'd be that'd be definitely a great move. They'd get back a, a, an All NBA All Star caliber player in Beal. That's what they wanted the whole time. They can consider they won this battle and they've given Embiid a better shot at competing when we get to playoff time. Yeah, get it done. So starts. Um, let's go to the the Wizards. I want to talk about the Wizards real quick because um, we we gotta think about what we were considering them to be after a ten and three start. And I was ready to be like, hey, the, the personnel makes sense. The, the defense makes sense. The coaching makes a lot of sense. And this is a good team now. And now they fall into 23 and 27th, the 12th in the Eastern Conference. And they need to convince Beal to stay. Should they rebuild around younger players? Um, now you hear some rumors about a Sabonis deal. Do you think that fixes it? Like you, you see a deal for basically Hachimura, uh, Denny, Kispert, either Brian or Harold, and you're definitely giving up a couple firsts. Mm. Is he worth that cost? Is that Vucevic type type deal worth the cost for Sabonis for the Wizards? Does that does that really fix what's going on here? Probably not. If it's the kind of gesture they need, maybe to try and convince Beal. 
I, I'd probably think it, it might be it might be worth doing because I think the, yeah. the value that Beal adds to the team is just so huge. And I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of Sabonis. But I think it, in my head, I, I want to say the best thing for the the Wizards to do is just kind of rebuild. They got a lot of they they've got a lot of young guys, and if if Beal's not a hundred percent there, there's nothing they're gonna probably be able to do really in the next kind of year and a half, two years to, to really turn the team into a, into a contender. So maybe it might be time to, to, to let Beal go. And if they get the guy like Simmons in and then they can, they can build around that. I think that, that, that might be a better option for, for the wizards than trying to get in a, giving up a lot, a lot to try and get a guy like Sabonis just to, to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs again. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the identity. Like if if they if they some if they can make that deal for for Simmons, then Weston Sell Jr. would be beside himself with joy. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be like the the nuclear weapon that a defensive minded coach would love to have. Um, I mean, just, honestly, just like Doc Rivers would love to have right now. Um, and the last point of the Wizards, something you see a lot is uh, untalked about. Uh, very very disappointing season for Spencer Dinwiddie who signed a three-year, $54 million contract. And he's just really declined since torn ACL. Um, above all things, for a guy who's been considered a very good shooter at his, his position, shooting 32%, that's rounding up. Mm-hmm. His pick-and-roll game has just been down. And he was a piece that we thought would be a very good addition to this Wizards team to really um, make that backcourt what it's supposed to be, at the playoff backcourt. A lot of people had that thought but that's just not really been there. And I don't think they're getting rid of him. They're going to have to attach a pick to get rid of that contract. Um, curious to see where that's going to go um, for a guy that's it's one of these situations where you see a lot of news about a guy that who's just not going to get traded. And it's very clear that the wizards are calling around about him and other front offices are like, yeah, no, thanks. And it just gets leaked out to the news and then his value decreases even worse. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's it's one of those interesting ones. This one where we saw him as a role player on the Brooklyn Nets, and we're like, oh, this is definitely a guy that could be, that could really step up on a, on on a lesser team and really show something. And obviously, that's what the Wizards thought when they gave him that deal. But maybe maybe he's just better suited as a role guy on a on a top level team rather than a, a guy you you can really rely on to to be a consistent contributor for you as a as a starter or, or a major role player. Yeah. Um, big question. Recently, Joe Ingles, unfortunately, um, has a major knee injury, and now he's out for the season. Um, I mean, the, scoff at all you want. Joe Ingles is a huge part of what the Utah Jazz do. They are very much a system team. We know it. You can malign them all you want, but they're really good for their system, and Joe Ingles is a key cog in what he does as an elite shooter, as a pick and roll ball handler, he's, he's a key playmaker on that team. Um, and they're going to need to replace that to be successful in the playoffs. They've, they've already hit a couple of rough patches this season. And you'd hope that Rudy Gay was going to be kind of insurance for that. But now you wonder with some names here on the market, just, just a few to think about low cost guys. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think Harrison Barnes is going to be low cost per se, but he's there to be had. A guy like Dario Sarge is being actively shopped. You guys are now trying to get Alec Burks out of there. Only any of those names do it for you in terms of shoring up the loss of 
three-point shooting, defense, and playmaking that you got out of Ingles? Yeah, I think I think Burt Burks could be could be a, an interesting one. I think he probably depends on what they they think uh, of uh, of his contract. He got a fairly certain he got a decent enough contract out of the Knicks, didn't he? Everyone in the Knicks con- on the Knicks right now is like okay paid. They're like they're like okay deals. They're solid deals. Teams yeah. are not going to going to lose their minds over the amount of money they absorb. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think as Especially as a role player, I think Burks would be be a good one and a, and a good addition for Utah. I think he's a guy that that knows his role in a system, and he would be able to pick up the pick up the system uh, quickly. And he can add, he used to play for the Jazz too. Yeah, uh, he can add. He definitely add key shooting. I think especially early in the season, we saw a lot of examples of him uh, coming off the bench and doing some great scoring and being a key scorer come the fourth quarter as well. So yeah, I think. I think Burks could be an interesting one for for Utah to keep an eye on if they're they're looking to to make a make a bit of a splash to kind of um help cover the loss of, of Joe Ingles. Yeah, um, so he's making three thirty million over three years, and right. that's again all 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 reasonable contracts. Yeah. Um, that that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on. Keep an eye on what the Utah Jazz are doing uh, coming up to the trade deadline because they are a team that honestly are fighting to stay at the top of the West. It's, it's not an easy job right now with, uh, with the likes of the Nuggets, there, the likes of even much where the Timberwolves go. Um, the Grizzlies are right there. Um, the Suns are staying right where they, where they've going to be for the entire season. They've just been absolutely unbelievable. And honestly, that's the only real trade news out of the Suns. Sarich being shopped. Although there's some fringe thought about what if you, you know, trade deandre eight he's still a restricted free agent i i don't think i don't think they're gonna they're gonna trade him right now that's that seems like an impossibility to me at least yeah i think i think i agree i don't think there's there's gonna be too much movement there and any guys that are contributors at the moment for the suns there's no use in in, in, yeah. in trying to break that up at all yeah um game could could do a lot of that does does a lot of that there's a reason why deandre ayton's numbers on and off the floor have been Okay, that's because JaVale McGee, JaVale McGee has been fantastic. Um, uh, what one team I want to bring up the our Cavaliers. Well, I'll say our because we've just been really pushing them out here. Um, it's, just, it's a shame we didn't we didn't throw them in the uh, NFL crossover, but I got to say they've already had plenty of success this decade, so I don't think it really lines up. But the Cavs are really starting to gear up for a postseason run, um, and they need to replace Rubio and Sexton. There's just a hole of production and the money that they're paying them right now. Um, news are out now. They've made calls for Eric Gordon and Karis LeVert, and they're both demanding first-round picks. But both the Pacers and Rockets are pretty staunch in their stance that they're going to get a first-round pick out of those guys. Um, it's probably not going to happen. And if the Cavs are only really willing to, to, to pay out with, with second-rounders, I'm, I'm not sure what they can expect to add. I don't know if you, if you have any names and or plans what things you've heard anything about the Cavs what what's on your mind when, over these next seven days yeah it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting one I mean obviously they got they originally got Rondo in to uh to replace Rubio basically and mm. uh, that's that's a, it's decent cover but they they definitely need that little bit more when you're when it comes to the postseason I think Gordon Gordon would be uh, a good one for them it's tough to say obviously that the the Cavs should be 
should be fine giving up giving up a first rounder. But you know, it, it depends how much belief they have and what they can do this year. I think that's that's probably the the main thing. I know that they're, they're still such a young team. I don't. I think this year has just been probably a surprise to them and everyone else. But I'd say that they'll probably be a bit hesitant on giving up the first rounders because this is such still such a young team, and you may just see mm-hmm. them just play play it out as is and, and see and see what they can do. I think that that might be how how it works out ultimately for the Cavs uh, this season. And and it wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the worst decision in the world from them. Yeah, I think that they're a team that's uniquely in a position to to spend first round picks because you don't want to do what the Pelicans did and spend too early because they didn't really have structure around Anthony Davis at the time. But they're in a unique position where they get Evan Mobley, a generational player, really, um, in in the same light as Anthony Davis, in my opinion. But to draft him into a position that makes sense, where he fits a role. And everyone kind of like everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing on this team. There's no question as to roles. They're not winning out of randomness. Like their system and the player roles work. So, you know, that it's it's interesting to me to think about how much more young talent they can really add to this nucleus to make it work to the point where I even question what does this team look when you reinsert Colin Sexton? Um, unfair to him, of course, because you know he's been injured. Um, I think there is a role for him, but he's going to want more. He deserves to want more, like we've discussed. I I think they could spend. I, I'd be happy to see them maybe not get Eric Gordon right now, just because I, I, I love Eric Gordon. I love what he does, but I, I don't know why, but it, it excites me to see a name maybe more like, uh, like Norman Powell, yeah. a, a guy like that. Because, I mean, Cavs are asking for him last year. And they're clearly interested in his uh, contribution as a scorer. And that's something that they're, they're missing. There, there are times these past couple of weeks where, you know, they just can't get a bucket. They need to get a bucket from the perimeter. And they need a guy like Norman Powell. They need a guy, honestly, like <laughs> Colin Sexton. So if, if they're really gearing up for the playoffs, they really think that they can do something. Maybe they might be impatient and make a move like that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the right one. I think a lot of that hinges on, does Colin Sexton want to be here long-term as a, you know, the sixth man, the, a really good sixth man, but mm. in reality, probably the sixth man or third option. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you could see, you could ultimately see them maybe making a move from someone like Dragic, possibly if that buyout eventually happens or something like that. I think Toronto. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going, he's going to Luca. Second he's bought out, he's going to Luca. Anyone's yeah, insane. Anyone's insane. If they think he's not going there. Hey, uh, they 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 need a guy like him too. So yeah, yeah that would be that'd be a good move for him, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, I think the Cavs they I'd be a bit surprised if they kind of if they really kind of shopped the market now in the last week and went kind of took a took that bit took that bit of a dive. I would be too. Early. I would be too. I I think it's it's doable, and people who are calling for it, like I think I think it's legit because mm. yeah, you haven't had competitive basketball in a few years since LeBron left. But the Cavs are only willing to send out two second rounders. They can still add guys like Covington, Macklemore. I mean, they, they don't wow you, but adding veteran talent that has played in playoff situations before and has had that experience and adds to your team, it's, it's, it's valuable, especially when you've got some injured players. Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder, it seems like the Celtics are dangling them for 
I, I don't know if next to nothing is the, the word we're going to use, but they're trying to get under the tax. That's for sure. Um, I'll, maybe Alec Burks, again, another guy, second rounders are, are going to be a welcome cost for guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to talk to the Celtics guy, you, your bulls getting rumored to be, uh, to be, no, it's not happening. Not, not happening. Not happening. I, I, the reason the number one reason I'm not feeling that is because none of the early rumors about the moves that Karnaschovas makes happens. And there's a reason because Karnaschovas doesn't leak anything. There's nothing that you will ever hear that the bulls are going to do that they actually do because nobody ever knows. He's a, he's a silent assassin. She comes on, comes out and hires Billy Donovan out of nowhere, comes out and gets Alice Caruso out of nowhere, gets DeMar DeRozan out of nowhere, Lonzo Ball out of nowhere. Like, um, I, I think that, any early news for that first reason is going to be out the window and we don't need Schroeder. We have plenty of contribution out of Io DeSumo right now, who should absolutely be first ballot, um, all, all rookie first team and should, should be in a redraft, be it probably a ninth, 10th, 11th pick should be a late lottery pick. Absolutely. Guy got drafted 37th. We're not going to take away minutes from him right now. We're not going to take away minutes from Kobe white. You have exactly me. I, I don't buy it at all. Not at all. Make comments like that. Just to just take your W. You got him. You got him where you got him. All right, then. Uh, <laughs> so if you're not going to do, how about Millsap? Are, are your Bulls going to make a move for him? So I, I'm interested in that because the Nets seem to be holding on to this idea that teams will trade for him when it's just that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I, I think they are going to be stuck in a situation where are they going to have to do right by Millsap in a year, in a year where the margins matter and he would likely go to another contender to do you do that as a team. And I think over the past few years, the, the buyout market has been kind of funny because most of the guys getting bought out are veterans on bad teams, but, and you know, there's only like four or five teams where you're like, Oh, they could win a championship. But this, and back then all old school school coaches, um, you know, Jeff Van Gundy is out there. Like there's no way that any team should ever consider allowing a buyout because you're helping the other team. And back then it was like, dude, who cares? Like this team isn't going to get anywhere close to the playoffs probably. But in this specific situation, like say the Nets let go of Millsap, they buy him out. Cause they're like, okay, got to do good by you. And then Millsap shows up in playoff minutes against the Nets and the, the Bulls out-rebound them by five, and then they win game seven. Or so, like, you have to look back and be like, the Bulls didn't have Paul Millsap. Do they win that game? Like, you know, like, I, I guarantee that teams think ahead and they think about stuff like this because they, they'd be really, really kicking themselves if they helped out a team that could potentially be um, beating them in playoffs. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of an interesting moment. Then at the same time, you're kind of like, we should do right by the by this player. Like, uh, as much as he'd have an impact wherever he was to go, and the teams that would want him or guys who would want to want to give him minutes, I don't. I don't think he's he's that much of a. Di- I, w- I wouldn't consider him that much of of a dis- difference maker. Where you really look back on what he did in the game and think, oh, that's where we lost the game. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see that happening. You never Paul know. Though. You never know. Sorry, maybe maybe GMs don't have the time to be as granular. Um, we certainly do, which is why we're starting to get over here. So let, let's let, let's cut through through two last important ones. Um, this one will be quick, I think. Portland star CJ McCollum. 
um, not a lot of news out of Portland, but news out of New Orleans that they are really pushing to make this move. And the, there's so many ways that you can make this work. They, they got Herb Jones, who's a legit defender, and a star rookie. Josh Hart's an actual 3D player. Valanciunas, he's better than Jok- uh, not Jokic, Nurkic at this point. And for, for the, the Blazers, Anthony Simons, we've talked about how he's come on and he's looked like a long-term player for this team. They don't really need the likes of McCollum and Powell if this is how um, Anthony Simons is going to play every night. Um, and just picture on the moment for a moment. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson on the court. Is that, <laughs> is that exciting Zion, to you? When's Zion, when Zion Williamson ever going to get back on the court? Uh, we're, we're dreaming. Okay. This, <laughs> these, are, these are all hypotheticals, man. Let, let a man dream. Yeah, that, that, that'd be uh, that'd be cool. One thing I would say is if, if a trade like that were to go down, would that would that be uh, another another uh, another thing that might push uh, Dame away from from Portland, or is that would that open the door a bit more for for Portland to be able to 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 build a little bit better around Dame? Do you think? Well, if if Portland is getting real impact def- defensive players, young talent picks and a better front court match perhaps for dame i mean this is this is for dame you know this he, he likes cj but if it's front office is like hey we we care about win, like winning with you and it was unfortunate but we just got assets because they need assets they, they don't have enough assets on their own i mean we, the bulls own one of their first round picks they, they are low on assets and they're low on talent and if getting rid of CJ McCollum brings in both, even though it doesn't bring in a star to help now, they need assets to make moves and to secure a future with Damian Lillard. So, I mean, that that's, I think you could easily convince him in a situation like this. No, that's fair. I think that, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see uh, McCollum playing somewhere else because obviously he's a super, super talented, uh, super talented guard. I've always kind of been the, the, the second guy to Dame, but this guy has got serious ability. He's more than capable of going off for, for 23, 24 points, like averaging some mark like that. He, he is that, he is that talented. He's a good shooter. He can, he can do a bit of, a bit of playmaking as well. I think he could have a really big impact uh, at a team like, like New Orleans. I think in general, they, they, they've come out They're They're looking for, for a big name guard and looking at guys like CJ and possibly De'Aaron Fox as well. But uh, yeah, I think CJ might be uh, might be a bit more a bit more gettable for them than a, than a guy like Fox. Yeah, I, I think I think Sexton actually. If we're still talking uh, Pel- Pelicans, I, Sexton should be a name that comes up. It it absolutely should. If he wasn't injured because he probably be there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know they're thinking short term, but I don't think Zion is going to play meaningful minutes this year. I'd I'd be shocked. Yeah. I, 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 I hate I hate the thought of it. I yeah, I don't think he'd play at all. You think about it, he's, he's been off his feet. It's a foot injury. He hasn't been really practicing on his feet enough. And you haven't heard any progress at all, which, which means it's, you know, it's coming along slowly. So if, if you're thinking about next year, which, which all reports show, then maybe a fresh start with, with Colin Sexton. Um, Cavs would be happy to get a guy like Graham to fill his shoes right now. But um, let's go to our last one here. And this is a wider question because these are the three guys that I'm the most interested in this uh, trade deadline, John Collins, Jeremy Grant, and Christian Wood. Uh, what the hell? Where, 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 where are the rumors? Where, where's, the, where's the trade mail? Where are the trade machine posts? It's just been kind of silent for three guys who are being actively shocked 
who are really good players, young, they just check every box for teams that need their contributions. But there hasn't been a lot of noise. And I wonder, I wonder if, if that's kind of the inverse, kind of the same thing I'm talking about with the Bulls front office, that maybe there's just enough deals being floated around that people are really biding their time, that they're that valuable. I don't know. But I, I've been expecting to hear more than I have. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jeremy Grant's kind of the main one. For me, I think you you, you think all, all I keep hearing about Jeremy Grant, I've been hearing that they're that they're trading him for pretty much the entire season. But all I keep hearing is that every single team appears to be interested in acquiring Jeremy Grant, but I don't see any teams actually uh, offering up a trade or actually really being strong that strongly linked with him. So like I'm like, what the what the hell what the hell's going on here? Who actually wants this guy to be to be a part of your team. Obviously, we talked last week about Dallas probably possibly uh, looking to make a move for him. I think that that would be a, a smart deal for for the Mavericks. But outside of that, all I'm hearing is, oh, this team is interested and that team is interested in, but I'm not seeing any moves. And then only got a week to go. It's, 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 team, team's got to take that, take that plunge, you know? Yeah, that's where enter the Bulls. And this will be the question that will potentially be asked for years hopefully hopefully not in in my opinion but patrick williams is the key piece to all this when it comes to jeremy grant because that is the guy the pistons really wanted they were really interested in him um and they they were going to take him if they could draft i don't know if i still don't know if i'm willing to part with with pat williams for for grant and that that's going to be the question that will haunt people is you know maybe jeremy grant was the guy who could have helped DeRozan and levine get to the championship get all the way if pat williams isn't there maybe then on the flip side there could be questions for years of wow we really traded jeremy grant for a couple of years for that guy you know and that's that's a, a move especially for uh a man, a new management. That that's a move that would haunt a team for years. If if they got that wrong, and Pat Williams blossoms in Detroit alongside Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, all those guys there, those young cats. Like if you just empowered a team right in your in your division, <laughs> you just saw them four four times out of the year. That that would be one you never lived down. That's a much bigger risk than just like oh, what if Pat Williams is good. Yeah, it'd be actually interesting to see if something like that was actually on the table just to see where, where Jeremy Grant's head is at. Does he want to be a guy on a team that looks ready to compete? Or do, is he still determined to be this one or two star on, yeah. on, on a competitor? Because if he's going to the Bulls, he's uh, uh, he's, he's the third, third guy at, at best and probably probably almost. You know, that, that would kind of uh, interchange depending on the night between the likes of him uh him ball and Vucevic, which one of them is going to be the kind of the the third the, the third star? But yeah, I don't think you got to worry too much about that one. I think I think the way Grant is thinking, he wants to he has an idea of a role that he wants, and maybe that's what's holding things up where he actually wants to go. I think that that that, that could there could be an element there as well. I know this is a this is all business, and uh, the, the the Pistons will make the best deal for for their team. They're not under any pressure to actually trade Grant. So, but yeah, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't be wor- I wouldn't be too worried on your side of things. I don't see I don't see a trade like that happening. But uh, I think 
seeing that that stuff with the the Knicks and a few few other things like that. It's uh, yeah. That's just. That's, I think Collins. Collins is the name. Yeah. Then the, the, that's the name that I think guys should jump for. I, I don't understand the the lack of hype around it because um, John Collins, what he does uh, on the offensive end is, I mean, it's fan- the amount of pressure he puts on the rim as a cutter and even off the off the dribble. Like he's gotten so much better there, and as a shooter, a forty percent three point shooter. Um, th- there's so much he does offensively and defensively. He's he's come along. He's he's not he's not going to be. I think a impact defender, an elite impact defender, but he's a, he's become a much better defender to see him. I would, I would make that move. I would make that move because the way that the bulls and any, any team can say this, any team with capable passing with, and a good team defense construct would reward John Collins like crazy. The amount of fast break opportunities he'd get on the best fast break team in the league on the bulls or any team like, like the Bulls like that, uh, the amount of lobs you would get from our guards, like I, I would take John Collins for, for Pat in a heartbeat. How, how are you thinking that, that that would be enough to get that deal done after the big contract that Atlanta's after giving, giving John Collins? Do you think a, a Patrick Williams deal would be, would be enough to get to get John Collins? you think that, that Atlanta would give him up without getting back uh, – Obviously, he's still obviously young in his career. Williams, he's still got the potential to become a an all star, all NBA kind of caliber player. But you think think Atlanta would be willing to give him up for for less than than a star in return? I mean, they're their team that's that's trying to build uh, a competitor around around Trey Young. You think they'd give up one of their their their, their two guy yeah, for for? I would. The thing is with with the Hawks is I'm wondering what their off-season plans are because there isn't a lot of great vibe like the vibes are off hashtag the vibes are off with the hawks and i'm not going to point at john collins to say that he's the source of that because i think he says a lot of legitimate things when the hawks get disengaged defensively even though they're a great offensive team it's it's awful and he points out as you know i, I think if he was older and has been on better teams guys would look at that and be like Oh, he's being, he's being a good leader. Like he's really sure. Like he's being like a Marcus smart, but because he's younger, because he's more known as an offensive guy. And I think for a variety of reasons, I, I think he's looked at as, you know, that's, that's negative. But I think if, if the Hawks can avoid that contract and if, if, uh, if there's a way that they could get cap space or maybe make another move, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it just because there's, there's too much, there's too much smoke without fire there's clearly a strained relationship there and strained relationships in the nba don't last very long that's one thing i do know so i'm not saying it'll be the bulls necessarily or patrick williams i'm saying that's maybe a kind of guy i would be okay with the bulls trading a guy like patrick williams for and i think for a team like the the hawks as a general rule if they would get younger with a productive player that they have under team control for longer. It makes it a lot easier for them to build around Trey Young, who's commanding so much of their cap space. You know, it's tougher to win if you're paying that much money to, to Collins and Trey Young, if that pair isn't doing something tremendous. They, they you know, it's, it's not something to, to foo-foo at. I, I think it's definitely something there. Yeah, I think, they, 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 I think obviously 
after the 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 dream run they went on the playoffs last year it it seemed like mm-hmm. everything was clicking with those two and obviously maybe this year has been a, a bit of a reality check for for Atlanta that 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 Trey and John Collins as a duo is not is not going to be able to really lead them to being consistent challengers in 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 an ever improving Eastern yeah. Conference so yeah maybe maybe they might just have to make a move to get to get rid of the big contract of Collins and, and uh and and try and try and build better better around Trey. Obviously, Trey is Trey is the their 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 main guy, and he he's doing the doing doing it all on the offensive end. But maybe maybe it's uh they 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 need to try and find a way to build better around him and and, and give up Collins in the process. Yeah, and I will say it's not like this isn't brand new, dude. Like this has been going on since last year. They had the hit their stride with Nate McMillan when they had that coaching change, and that was really what propelled them into the playoffs. But before that, there was still um disdain in that locker room i mean john collins has been and whoever leaked that was awful but john collins was was constantly pissed off at the way that uh the team was was run and i mean he was upset about his role as well and it's it's continued into this year and in a year where things are down you know you, you never know what's gonna happen um but yeah you are right though there's, there's no way that pat for john collins would probably work both on the books and terms of player talent but but i i think my, my voice still stands and i think that's a move that maybe things just naturally get better in atlanta but it's gone on long enough where it's it's certainly it's certainly something to look at yeah yeah no i can see it it'd be, yeah. be an interesting one anyway um any any wish list for you i, I know we don't want to talk next but just maybe we can dream a little bit what what, what would fix you guys We'll, we'll end there. I have no, I have no answer. That, that's it. <laughs> I have no idea what what would fix fix the Knicks right now. I think Randall. He look, he's looking a little bit, a little bit fed up. It, on one hand, I'm like, do we just kind of get rid of the vet guys? Can you imagine and, and build around the build, just just play with the young guys and and try and try and see how that goes. But at the same time, you're like, Tibbs ain't gonna ain't, ain't gonna deal with that, and then. The, every chance he gets, he tries to go back to his old guys, Elisa of a Rose or a Taj Gibson. Don't get me wrong, they can still be good role players, but that only works when you have a have a starting team that is uh, is on point there. But Tibbs, Tibbs ain't going to change. He's, he's an old fashioned coach, and that's why I think it's going to be difficult for the Knicks to really do what's best for the team with with, with Tibbs at the as the coach. But at the same time they've had so many bad head coaches that I, I, I'm like, why would they get rid of a guy who won, who won coach of the year last year? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the Knicks being the Knicks and it's just a really, really horrible situation. I don't really know what way they can, they can turn it, they can find to turn it around. It's an, it's insane to think about the year that Randall had last year, the, even at the beginning of this year, that celebrations in the streets, I haven't heard bing bong in too long. I've I it's it's sad to just see where that relationship has gone because Randall really just revived his career there and you know maybe, maybe when you're emotionally stable enough we can talk about it because I think it's a fascinatingly sad story honestly the the way that that's gone down and hopefully there's still light at the end of the tunnel but it's crazy to see his name in, in trade talks uh right now I just signed that can, extension that, as well that's New York Knicks basketball isn't it? yep well, guys, thanks for letting us ramble here. This is the whole point. It's, it's so much 
trade energy and talk just pent up. And this is uh this is our safe space to just talk some trades, dream a little, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe we're just dreaming, maybe I'm crazy about all these possibilities, but I still think I still think it's gonna be a big one. And hopefully, uh, if we had a little uh a little board here, if we had if we had some squares, I think we'd we'd hit some some of these trades that we've gone over here. Um I don't, I don't remember what what is that called? What is that called? Getting four in a row. I'm blanking. Four in a row. The, the, four, no, four? not four in a row. No. The, the, old, the old people game, where the balls roll out. Bingo. And bingo. <laughs> if, if we had our trade bingo, I think we <laughs> every every uh, we we should play every week. What what can I forget? What basic object thing can I forget and not name? There's there's always something, but. If we had a bingo board out of all these things, I think we'd have hit a couple. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We got we got seven days to find out, and it's going to be uh, hopefully uh, an interesting last week. Given that how boring it's been so far, that that, that let's hope it's all all pointing towards an exciting last week uh, before the trade deadline. Seven days till Ben Simmons is probably still on the 76ers, and we wait for Harden. So enjoy that, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Peace out. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.